Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. Isaac's scared of £20 notes, Lola's scared of pastries, but I'm scared of Gavin finding me behind the curtains of his mansion. Emma. And I'm the ghost of Ruby's mother. Come back to say that that ain't my dress. Connor, so what we got coming up this week, Emma? We have your usual roundup, your hero in slapping down. But first, here's the jingle. You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! My boy, Blimey. Mr. Butcher. 57 was my nan. 57 was everyone else. One minute we'll be looking at each other, the next, ripping each other's clothes off. Mother always said I could be a star. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night. It's Monday morning. And we've all been there, Jean. We all feel the same way when we know we've got to go back to the daily grind. She's just so miserable. She's put coffee on. She's just sitting in the darkness. She's just hating life. And it's all because of that ruby. Did you find it weird that Stacey had went alone? Just walked all the way to the court. Yeah, walked the court. All the way to the court, kids. Maybe it's just down the road, Emma. Like, you know, like, you know, they've got the gym, they've got, like, <laughs> trade station. Maybe they've got their own little court system down there. <laughs> I think they should. It's ran by that guy who used to do the toilets in Turpin Road. Yes. Oh, do you remember him? So she walked there. But then it turns out Kat was there as well. But also, it's a new day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stayed overnight there, didn't she? <laughs> so, what is it with this court? Do they do overnight proceedings? Do they <laughs> <laughs> just stay over? How we will all bunk down for the night. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Living for that. Living for that. Judge Judge Turpin Road guy comes up and he's like, "Listen, girls, I know you've got a big hearing tomorrow, but do you fancy coming round to mine? You're just having a bit of a sleepover. I'll get the film in." Get some popcorn. You'll love it. Because didn't you say she would be sentenced by like five o'clock in the afternoon or something? And now it's like Monday morning and we're still waiting. Let's do the time (laughs) warp again. (laughs) I think, right, Stacey should have just gotten up on that stand and just said, listen, judge, listen, I may have shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. And that would have been enough. (laughs) I think that would have gotten her off, quite frankly. <laughs> I think she should have stood there and went, where is the evidence to prove that I have maliciously <laughs> <laughs> went and planned this and then pushed Ruby to her death? Yeah, exactly. Ruby's own actual statement is that she was terrified of <laughs> Stacey, terrified of Stacey, and that Stacey came round and was abusive and horrible to her and then threw her down the stairs. Clearly, you see Stacey's walking up the stairs away from the crazy lady who's chasing after her and then turns round to tell her to go away. There is no pushing! And also, the the CCTV had uh, audio as well of her going, just leave it, Ruby. Because it didn't take any of the the audio from before that bit. It just took, leave it, Ruby. (laughs) And you know what's really strange? Apparently, there's no CCTV in Ruby's office. No, there isn't. What do you think? Wouldn't that surely be the place that you put CCTV since it's got a safe in there full yeah. of money? Hmm. Interesting. That's, that's convenient. Maybe she had to dismantle that one after she weed in the bucket. 
Ah, uh, true. True. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> quick, delete those. Delete it does. Those Sorry, it does have CCTV. You know how I remember this? Because how? when Louise Whatever. and Hunter were in a relationship. You're right. Yeah. Because Mel used yes. it to blackmail Phil. Yes, and Hunter used the same CCTV to, to thingy Phil, didn't he? Because he was winding him up by um, yeah. recording him. He was deliberately he recording it because didn't he like, wave and wink at the camera? Uh-huh. There you go. It does have CCTV in there. Unless, of course, Ruby shadily took it down when she moved in. Which just begs the question, why is she doing that then? Because then they could have saw the whole argument before everything happened. Exactly. Did you say that Stacey actually was not coming that to, uh, to be villainous and was trying to be supportive? And then Ruby turned it all around and was nasty. Also, the CCTV didn't pick up when um, Stacey goes out and gets them both coffees. Now, if I saw someone going back in and out with coffees, I wouldn't go, oh, God, they're having an just, awful time. Unless you put yeah, poison just, in, a bit like Sharon. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, that clearly wasn't happening. Yeah, and exactly. How did it... I'm just going to keep ranting. Go on, go on, keep going. <laughs> how did it not pick up that... Stacy then looked after Ruby when she had fell downstairs and pick up any of that conversation or when she rang Martin. How's it only picked up that 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 one bit where Stacy moves arm and she goes, Ruby, leave it. You're so right about the coffees as well. Coming downstairs with coffees, hardly the act of someone who hates someone, is mm-hmm. it? It's hardly the act of like a malicious stare pusher. Like she's hardly <laughs> the flipping, you know, the most villainous villain ever on the square if she's coming down with coffee. Come on, come on! What? What's your defence? You can't, you can't use that as evidence. I'm sorry. Oh God, get, get my blood pressure down a bit. Oh, right. Anyway, I feel like Jean really, you know, just miserable, just lurking around in the darkness. And I was ready to give up. I was ready to just throw it in, Emma. Ready to throw the towel and just say, "She's won." But then on the horizon, I heard an old, old fabled tune, chiming, chiming, singing. And it was, it was, Mamma Mia. I could just hear it. Here we go again. And I was just like, it must be seven o'clock on a Monday morning. Because that's how I wake up, all my friends and neighbours. It's Lily, everyone. (laughs) And also, can I just give a shout out to... Hope on the drums. <laughs> I love the band. Every way she was just chicking away. <laughs> the band. This is the most legendary band I've ever seen on EastEnders, right? You've got Arthur on the tennis racket. You've got Hope on the pants. And you've got Lily doing the vocals. That is everything we needed. So Lily is singing her heart out to a classic. I mean, she has taste. Ruby didn't surprise me when she thought it was a racket and turned it off. <gasps> oh, yeah. I mean, I just love that, like, Ruby comes downstairs, she's like, she looks at state, she's like, are you having a laugh? And then <laughs> she's, like, still jigging away. <laughs> Look at me now! Here I go again! <laughs> and I loved, I loved that bit where, <laughs> where you could just see that she envisioned something with stealing, when she stole all of Stacey's kids. But now, now... It's kind of setting in, the reality is setting in of what these kids are going to be like. And I'm, I'm living for it. I love when she's like, she's, <laughs> Lily turns to her, she goes, 
<laughs> puts real emphasis on this bit where she goes, however, could I resist ya? Like that bit. I just love that bit. <laughs> I just love it. And then Martin comes in and he's he's loving it. So he turns that music back on because it's a tune and he's correct there. And he has a little dance. I lived for that. I mean, now we've got another member, but I've, I've got to be honest, Martin. Where this band, me and Emma currently have just formed. It's called A20 Juniors. And I'm sorry, you're just above that age limit. Um, it would be very weird if we had you there. You can be like that old grandpa who's giving a jig, you know, at the wedding. We can't have that. There's going to be a serious band for serious kids. You know, the cheek, though, as much as I loved Martin joining in and being the old Martin that we know and love. Yes. Oh, what a cheek, you standing here in the morning dancing when our stace is rotten in prison. Honestly, I had flashbacks to Bad Girls ITV show long ago. I don't know if anyone listening watched it as kids when they shouldn't have. I did. And um, I just had visions of Stacey being like locked up by that like ginger woman and like that horrible, horrible man who everyone like was gushing over. It was so weird. I honestly think Martin almost redeemed himself when he started dancing. And I was like, wait, what the heck am I doing here? I can't be friends with Martin. Not when our Stace. It's been banged up and God knows where. You know, that's what it was like, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, I'm mad at him. I'm, just remember, you're mad at him. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you're fuming with a, like a significant other and you're <laughs> trying to sustain that rage. You're trying to keep that rage going because you don't want to let it go. You just want to still hate them. And, you know, you're building it up, building it up until you can have a proper row. Until you can have a proper row. And you can never sustain it. That's kind of what it was like with Martin there. It I was. It's like, God, I hate you. I was like, why do you do this, Martin? You mean we'll like you again. <sighs> even just for five seconds and even that still feels dirty. It's not good for Connor's health. Well, Ruby, Ruby is keen to tell Lily, listen, I'm not your enemy here. Well, we've seen how she treats her friends, so... <laughs> thank god she's not her enemy because <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> and she goes on to say that <laughs> this bit was just bizarre oh yeah she's here for her <laughs> she's not trying to be her mum she doesn't want to get involved in all that because she has better things to do with her life well that's funny Ruby because didn't you start this you literally start all of this garbage and can I just say, I love when she says, I'm not trying to replace you, Ram. Ruby, you are literally the hand that rocks the cradle. I love when Lily just went, uh, like what? When she said that she had better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so true, Lily. Like what? <laughs> With jeans in the um, in the gym. She is. Getting all ready, because at the moment, it stinks of hairy men and sweaty armpits. Mo loves it. Mo loves it. Oh, she did love it. The gym. I can just see how successful that would be as a perfume. I'm telling you, Sharon should bottle that stuff. There's a lot of fetishes out there. There's a lot of weirdos and interesting people out there. Very interesting people. She could bottle that smell. <laughs> she could. Look at those people who sell used socks on eBay. It's so weird, but not a, not a kink shame, guys. Not a kink shame. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got questions about the gym. How long has it been up for sale? And... Has it always been owned by Jack in this whole time? Because it was still called Ronnie's on the door. But they're making out that 
maybe it's been used recently, but it looks knocked down. How long has Jack owned this and not thought of maybe selling it properly? Have I just not noticed the for sale sign? Has no one really cared? Did no one want the gym? I was just thinking, how has it had squatters in all this time? Maybe it's the smell, though, Emma. Maybe that smell was, like, too much even for squatters. So, like, <laughs> nah. I mean, I did live. I did live for the fact that this gym, <laughs> this gym had, like, strands of spider web and, like, you know, proper Halloween cobwebs. I was just like, stop it. You mean it looked like it's Indiana Jones in the fucking Temple of Doom? It's not been shut that long. Who's been living? Yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick up one of the flipping gloves and just fell to dust. It was like the flipping gym that time forgot, didn't it? Isn't it? I, you know, there was like this seat that could, I was like, you're going to sit on it and it's just going to go <laughs> just Turn crumble like, away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I just lived for that whole bit where Cham comes in, the lights are flickering on and off like a hostile horror movie. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I wanted it all to be dark and then to just turn the corners and go with like a little torch. <gasps> but it'll yeah. just be a spider oh, web. <laughs> she'll turn, she'll turn, and then suddenly she'll just see Michael Moon in the corner because he's the owner. Remember? Oh, I loved him. <laughs> and then she looks again; he's gone. <laughs> the ghost of Ronnie's going round. <laughs> yeah. I just live. I just live for it. It was so good. I was like, can you imagine if actually when she opened it, all that was inside was just one individual, and it was that guy who kissed Ben randomly, and then like you know, never, never, never did anything else with him ever again. Literally did not exist after that. I have this theory that he's just living in the gym, always has been. You know how he said that people who leave the square go around the corner and you never see yes. them again? Maybe some of them That's go to the gym. Been. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. They all just go there when the storylines die. Yeah. The kiss with Ben. <laughs> That's the storylines that I've forgotten going there. And then the people could go around the corner. You know when Jean put the gloves on and she was punching the punch bag? Yeah. How that didn't, like... Fall off! Or, like... <laughs> yeah, just I thought that too. Crumble away. Like, how long have you been there? <laughs> I was like... The, the surroundings look like an ancient mausoleum. And yet, the, the chain holding this punch bag is completely unworn or rusted. It's perfect. It's pristine. It's almost brand new. I was just like, what is this place? It's like the heart of the temporal flux that is EastEnders. And can we just talk about how Sharon bought all those treadmills before the place was cleaned, decorated, moved all of the weird old stuff that was crumbling? Like, she was like, I'll just shove some treadmills in. Sharon so reminded me of me there, because like when I become obsessed with an idea, I'm full in. I'm an obsessive. I'm just like, right, let's buy absolutely everything to do with that. Get them all, get the whole thing. I would be the exact same. I would be getting all this stuff before I've even started. Like, you know, I, when I got into my fitness, I had like weights, I had my exercise bikes, I had everything. I was like getting all the different stuff and all the gear in, right? I hadn't even been on the exercise bike first. I'm exactly like Sharon. I like to plan for the future and not think about the present. <laughs> all I can imagine is like the ghosts of EastEnders past, just like Ronnie on the treadmill, like ghost yeah. Ronnie. <laughs> Maybe that's Michael a Moon. A ghost gym. Remember, vampire yoga was really popular for it Ruby. It was. There you go, ghost gym. Ghost gym. 
Michael Moon is the trainer, the side going, come on! <laughs> Johnny Allen's doing a bit on the flipping exercise bike. Yeah, you can see that. Oh, be lovely. Be lovely. Well, she gets a text while, while they're there. Uh, Stacy somehow has got a year for something she didn't even do. And worse than that. No evidence for. All the kids also got a text. From Tommy. He's like a little gossip. I just love it. I did laugh at that really. Tommy's like, ha ha, your mum's got a year. <laughs> your mum's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like my kids used to be like, your ma, or like your mum. Like, <laughs> your mum for, for the southern folk and your ma for, for your northern folk. <laughs> yeah, when they'd be like, your ma, you could just imagine being like, your ma's in jail. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how like malicious Tommy is. Like, remember when he like just trapped Cherry in the cupboard? <laughs> oh, I love little Cretan Moon. <laughs> anyway, Lily's not impressed. She's going to make sure that that Ruby's going to pay for this. But don't you worry, because as harrowing as that news is, Martin's got a perfect remedy for it, isn't he, Emma? It does. I thought this too. I thought, you know, when when you're really down and, like, life's going so bad that your mum's been put yeah. in prison, Yeah. there's only one thing that can sort it, really, and Martin's got this, got this right. It's not, like try and get her out because she didn't do this. It's um, movie and pizza night. I mean, whose advice is he taking this off? Cush and Whitney? Because we all know they like a takeaway. Love a takeaway. Every time they <laughs> mention it, I have to smile. I'm like, oh, number one. <laughs> we move on from there to Cush and Martin discussing the kids and how they've been crying and how they're distraught. And what's Martin doing? Well, he's not getting a pizza in a movie like he said he was. That's for sure. He's having a drink in the pub. Who was looking after the kids? Because Ruby was at work. And no one. Cush and Martin were having a drink. So were the kids all at home alone? It made me laugh. After they'd just been crying and told that news? Yeah. After they've just been the most... That's the most traumatic news you could probably tell a child. Like, that mother is not going to be coming home. Like, that is horrendous news. So... I just live for the fact that Martin has just abandoned the kids in their ta- time of need to go for a pint with his friend. You know, but Martin has a very hard life. Martin has it hard, you know. Yeah, because you know, remember, he's, he's... it was really hard because he had to tell Lily and Lily probably remembers the last time this happened and that's oh, not so really hard. good on her, but he didn't think of that when he got himself involved and called. Poor Martin. Bless. Poor Martin. I mean, it makes us it makes laugh because literally the words to Cushers, this is Martin's chance. This is his chance, you see, Kush, to be a full-time dad again. Oh, I knew, I knew. I was like, this is going to just rile like, Connor up. Where are your kids? <laughs> where were you uh, the other year? Oh, yeah, that's right. You were playing gangsters. Yeah, debt collecting. Like, come on. You chose to desert your children. Where's Bex, Martin? Yeah, I was going to say. Where is Bex? Have you texted her recently? Yeah, Bex could be dead. She could be a flippant... You know, murder statistics somewhere, and Martin wouldn't know 
Because he never cares. Oh, God. Emma, honestly, I just can't take this anymore. I just can't. <laughs> Kush is uh, not happy. No. Because he, he asks if Arthur's going to be with Jean or if he's staying with Martin. And you say, oh, no, the kids have moved in. Which he didn't think of telling Kush, even though Kush is Arthur's Weird. dad. That's a bit odd. And it's Arthur's biological father. I know you're a surrogate, like, stepdad or what have you. Like, which is fine. You have, like, an arrangement. It's lovely. But Arthur is literally Kush's child. A child that he pays maintenance for and supports and sees regularly. It's not like Kush isn't in the picture. You should have informed him. That's so weird. He's not happy that Arthur's under Ruby's roof because he knows what Ruby's capable of, even though he never tells anyone. Wit even says to him, why don't you just tell Martin? Because Arthur's really, really sad. He doesn't want to live there because Ruby's always shouting at them. And, you know, everything else Ruby's done uh, that Cush knows about, she tried to get Arthur and him to leave the country forever without saying anything, paying them off. Yeah. The roof over their heads was gambled away because she was fixing the cameras. She's yeah. done so many things. Stacy didn't do anything. But, I mean, Cush has been very silent on it and Wit's like, no, say something. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want to lose my friend. Yeah, well, you're not going to lose him when he finds out you've not told him any of that and he's like, put his kids in danger. I always thought Cush was quite, like, upfront. Like, when it comes to these problems and stuff, like, generally, he kind of confronts things. So why isn't he confronting them now? Especially when he's on the road to recovery from gambling. Surely, like, part of that step is being honest and being, you know, forthright with people rather than keeping everything bottled up. Why is he valuing his friendship over the safety of his child? It's insane. Also, live for for Whitney's remedy to this situation as well, because Whitney just says... Don't worry. How about I go out and I get us a nice take? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a joke now. It's like actually every scene with them is just about takeaways. Like honestly, they should be sponsored by Domino's or like flipping. No, just you know, eat. Chip shop. Like you should definitely do just eat or Uber Eats or something. Yeah. I love that that solves all their problems. It solves everything. Even Martin. Martin's like, nice pizza in a movie. That'll help. How is a takeaway in a, a cheap movie going to help? I mean, if you're paying for a movie, I want to get like the prime rentals. I want to get things like the brand new releases like Wonder Woman, you know, 1985 and flipping Godzilla versus Kong. I want all of them, Martin. Can't be coming here with flipping Frozen. That's been out for flipping decades. <laughs> Kush is in a bit of a dilemma. Lily, however, she's not in a dilemma. She's going to make Ruby's life hell. Absolute hell. I just want to say, Emma, I am so proud of our little Lily. Like, I am. Yeah. She's really blossomed. And now she's she's coming to her own um, as a arch rifle of Ruby. Um, I just want to say, uh, welcome to the team, Lily. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to be on this show to slag her off, you can come on anytime. <laughs> that's what we're here for <laughs> someone's going to look after them kids Emma someone's going to you know extend the branch to them because Martin sure as heck not I did love that Lily's revenge was 
being plastered all over the internet as well. <laughs> How does she have a social media account? Surely she's too young for one of those. I was thinking that too. She's only 10. I mean, kids these age, kids these age, they're all into that TikTok now. It's <laughs> 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 sound like a proper oldie. <laughs> Back in my day, we only had the lands. We had the lands and her own little toys that were made out of paper mache and pieces of wood were found in the forests. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she, like, hacked into to all of Ruby's accounts and started posting in those? Like, look at me. Oh, my God. That would be everything. Hashtag living the dream. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag memories are memories perfect. Are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ruby's furious. So she storms home like a raven lunatic that she is. Storms home and starts going ballistic. Um... Kids play dress up though, like yeah, they shouldn't have went in our stuff. Yeah, I, get I mean, come that. on. But they're kids, especially put a little hope. What she's like yeah. three. I love when she's like, Why do you keep doing this to me? And I was just like, Are you actually delusional? Are you actually delusional? Do you not understand what you've done to this young girl and the rest of these kids? You took their mother from them. She's only wearing your blooming jacket, like calm down. And let's let before we get there, before we get there, to this point, I just have to say, I refuse to believe, I'm in agreement with almost everyone on Twitter, I refuse to believe that this entry into the storyline is not a continuity error. There is a continuity error afoot, and I don't mind it because we love a good plot hole, because we love to laugh about it, but come on, do not be telling us that Lily got the dress... (laughs) That was Ruby's mother's dress for her wedding and chopped it up. That's some random dress. I'm sorry. Got I to do be. Not I'm sorry. I like, am I meant to believe that when Johnny Allen went in to save his other daughter, he didn't even go to save the wife. She was already burning. Yes, yeah, she was burning. <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny, he... help! <laughs> I just want the dress, love. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> well, quickly pass the dress. It's worth a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm meant to believe you went to save the daughter and the dress, and that's it. Yeah. Not the rest of his family burn, but I want yeah. that dress. There's no way he kept that dress in any other building. I just, I can't see it. So to me, the only logical answer is what Emma has just said. He ran into that burning <laughs> building and grabbed that dress before grabbing anyone else. <laughs> maybe he carried, maybe he carried Scarlet out in it. Like, quick, I need something to, to, to put around her. Grab that wedding dress. Like, you know, just randomly reaches into a whole other room, into a cupboard, behind the cupboard. Yeah, get, get out there. Where would he store that? How did Ruby suddenly have it? She came to the square with nothing. Nothing. She didn't even have it before and that. Then she even said, she goes to Martin, well, I think this is where she's lying because it's, it's got to be another dress. Uh, she's like, everything else burned in the fire. This is all I had. Why wouldn't Ruby, right, if this, is, if this was really her mother's dress, why wouldn't Ruby have taken that on her wedding? Like, surely she would have wanted that to be the dress she wears on her wedding day. She never wore that. We know she didn't, because she didn't come back with it, loves. No, and she, she didn't go there to get married. It was uh, like no, a last-minute thing. Which also says that she, like, 
that to me is completely counter counter everything about that dress because if she was that obsessed with that dress and that memory of her mom she would have wanted the wedding day to be absolutely perfect and have that dress on yeah i just don't i do not believe that like that is the same dress i think she has either bought that herself or She's stolen it from someone. I mean, we've got. She's got form. I know. I agree. Form. I agree. Like, is she gonna buy it because she wants like another wedding, like where everyone can go and see her, like renew her vows or something? It's not her mum's. Where on earth would Johnny have kept it? Like, <laughs> yeah, this gangland, this gangland mansion. He's just got his wife's <laughs> wedding dress hanging up. Like, I can imagine that going down well. Oh my god! Imagine if it's actually his mistress's dress. Like it wasn't. Like, yes. It was like he bought it for a mistress, and Ruby's like, "Well, I found this in my dad's gangland mansion, and I just thought, well, it's got to be my mum's." It could be for his his <laughs> um, mystery woman. Yeah, I remember. He did really like her. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ruby's lived a lie. Wouldn't be the first time. I mean, I loved the the sheer reaction. I mean, when she came over to the dresser, she's like, "You didn't." I was like, "Did what?" Because literally, no one's ever heard of this dress up until now. So I was just like, what's the significance of this dress? And then she's like, she's got my mother's dress. The only dress I had of her. It was like, my favourite bit. Favourite bit. You spiteful little cow. And Martin doesn't even get, like, angry that... Ruby's really going for his child here. Like, she's screaming, saying that she wants her out of the house. Can I just say as well, love that Martin comes in to her screaming, you spiteful little cow. Mm-hmm. And his first reaction isn't to tell Ruby to shut her mouth and flipping, you know, back off from his daughter. Instead, it's, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Martin, get out. Get out of this flipping house. I swear to God, if you if I ever met Martin, the character Martin in real life, I would give him a good telling off. <laughs> This is ridiculous. He comes in, he comes in, and he's like not horrified by his like wife verbally assaulting his daughter. I thought that was just insane. But something's not quite right with this Martin. He does not look at that scene of a grown woman verbally assaulting a 10-year-old, calling her a spiteful little cow. That's not normal human behavior. He doesn't think that that's like, you know, odd. He comes in and thinks it's just an ordinary argument i'm just like no no this is weird this is weird i'm sorry martin you've lost me nana and again because then kush goes and um finally confronts ruby about arthur mm-hmm. and he's like oh i'm gonna tell martin everything and she's like well go on then and then that's when he backs down so that went really well for kush i don't know yeah, why no. <laughs> i don't know why that made him go okay i won't <laughs> Why? I'm like so confused. Well, let's see what happens then. And then it's like, Kush, why are you leaving? You have actual information that can help this situation. So Kush walks out and she picks the phone up straight away and starts crying to Martin. Who then? Bear in mind, so now he's seen, he's heard off Stacey, he's heard off Ikra, he's heard off Kush, heard off Whitney. Seeing what she's done to Lily, he goes over to Kush to have a go. How dare he speak to his wife like that? She's in a flood of tears. So what? Your child is. Like, you need to get a flipping handle on your, like, reactions. I feel like Martin's got, like, short-term memory loss. Like, how could he not remember? When Kush's point is very valid, Kush says, 
I'm worried because Arthur's been talking about how there's been a lot of shouting. Martin, why have you said this to my wife? Well, I wonder why. I mean, you're literally screaming at him across a room and your wife has just called you up to get you to come over here and give a good screaming off a cush. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's because you are too loud and too aggressive and, and need to step down off of that flipping high horse that you've got yourselves on. And uh, take a good hard look at yourselves in the mirror. And I liked when Whitney got involved because she was like, well, he's Cush's son. He can, yes. he can be concerned and he can come in and ask these questions. He's I just looking out Martin. for him. Martin didn't say a single thing when Whitney said that as well. It was just kind of like, yes, but Cush. It's like, <laughs> yeah, because you know Martin. She's absolutely in the right. And the fact that she's an outsider telling you how crazy your wife is has got you like stuck. You're trapped. I think it's because Martin can't face the fact that once again he's made a ridiculous decision. Yeah, he's I an think it's that moron, and he hates feeling like a moron. I think that, that's what it is. He's trying to justify why he's in this relationship. Yeah, and he doesn't want to be divorced again. But like, maybe if he didn't just rush into all this, then exactly. this wouldn't be the case, and he wouldn't now be digging himself the biggest hole I've ever seen. Honestly, like, how is he ever going to redeem himself? He is going to have to have it prop her out with Ruby at some point and really tell her how it is to ever redeem himself. Anyway, Wit's, Wit's all right. She's got a perfect plan for her and Kush. No, he's just had a right time off and, you know, everything's miserable over in Ruby's, but let's have another takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to have their own, like, review of all the takeaways in Walford. Yes. That'll be everything. Wits Wolf at review. <laughs> and she just has to go through all the different takeaways, give them like a star <laughs> rating, tell us what it was like. They're a bit like TripAdvisor, but for these takeaways, I want Whitney in our ratings to talk about what problem the takeaway helped with. Oh, that'll be everything. <laughs> How much love she felt for Kush after yeah. the meal. She rates it in hearts. <laughs> <laughs> How much of a heart has gone to him? <laughs> he can do one as well and he can do the same. I want yeah. to know, you know, the usual hygiene. How long it took to wait in line, that kind of yeah. thing. But most importantly, I do think it should be, did it solve the issue or did it make them fall in love even more? What did it... Like, fish and chips, look at that. That yeah. proposal came out of that. Like, that yeah. must be a big rating. That's what I want to see. I wonder, like, you know, did Kebab save, like, Cush and Martin's relationship? Did, like, you know, I want to see that sort of thing. I'm right, I'm with you now, Emma. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely with you. I want to see what problems that these takeaways can solve. Because really, we could, we could... This could be, like, a world peace sort of event, yeah? Like, Wit could actually deliver world peace to everyone on a plate. Literally. I mean, I love that we go from this scene where Whitney's like, I'll go out and get some food, to Kushstein bowing down and apologising to Martin. I mean, Kush, can you fall any lower in our expectations? I loved you. Me and Emma loved you once. That man. That man in his body. So, as we found out that... um. It's not going well for the Slaters. And 
jeans took to stealing a van <laughs> with all of Sharon's treadmills in and taking it for a drive after Mo says if she keeps kicking off at this lady, well, she'll be doing time with Stace. And that gave her an idea. She would like to do that. She would like to go to prison with Stacey and do some laundry together. (laughs) (laughs) I'll live for this whole thing. We had, obviously, like Sharon opening her business. She's she's hired the slaters as the cleaners for the place. I mean, you'd need more than two cleaners. I'm not joking. If that place really does smell like dirty underpants, like... It has the stink of Frank all over it. It does. Stink of Frank. Roy would have loved it. Roy would have loved it. He knows the stink of Frank very well. Um, <laughs> I just, I loved it because I had like images of like Sharon getting in the truck with Jean and just driving off. <laughs> Thelma and Louise. Like Thelma and Louise style. Like, I love you, Thelma. I love you, Louise. Like, you know, they just drive off the cliff. <laughs> I just lived it for it because me and you made a joke about like Jean starting a crime spree. Do you remember when she stole she stole Grey's like um, necklace from Chantel's like collection or something? And we made a joke about this being the beginning of Jean having a crime spree. And look, we've been vindicated. She is. She's like, right, that's it. Now I'm going to add theft and vandalism to this list. I'm going to go all out now. <laughs> I love that big mole. Big Mo was like, <laughs> was like, you know, never pointing out that even if she did go to jail, it wouldn't mean she'd be in the same jail as like Stacey. It wasn't until Sharon said, "No, Jean, this isn't bad, girls. You don't just get arrested and go to the exact same jail. It's not, you know, all of the soap prisons where like everybody who ever goes to jail ends up together." Like, I love that you thought they'd be in the same cell. They were going to do laundry yes. together. I was like, you have a very different vision of prison to everyone else, Gene. <laughs> they'd share the, you know, the normal, like, taking in of drugs together. They'd have their own little business, swapping call cards. <laughs> Sharon has this beautiful moment because the mouthy Laurie lady, like, she's been horrible to Gene, has basically got the police involved. But Sharon has this beautiful moment where she realises that this is all because Jean's lost her daughter, like, essentially for a year. I mean, she doesn't know the extent of what Jean's actually going through because Jean's not told anyone other than Ruby about her cancer. And so it was really beautiful and really sweet to see their little friendship. Again, like, come into this really deeper level because, like, Sharon goes up and as a mother who's lost a child, like, really lost a child... I think she's like, I can help this situation. I understand these feelings. There's like desperate pain. And so she goes up and she just talks to Jean and it's really sweet. She's like, how about we just go back to mine and have a cuppa? And it's just like, oh, I love Sharon. I love them too. Their friendship is my favourite. I love Sharon and Jean and I love like Shirley and Jean, like those kind of friendships they're just so real yeah. and I love them and you know what made oh this made me smile when because Sharon's like um I don't have any real friends and stuff like that and then later Jean says I'll give you mates rates because they're friends Aww. it's so sweet and I also think like Sharon like is doing the right thing when no one else is doing it like no one stepped up to the plate and more like Mo, Kat, Martin, Kush, no one's recognised Jean's pain 
and try to help. Instead, it's Sharon. She comes along and saves the day. I just love that friendship. They're like unbeatable. And come on, let's be real. That friendship's got to be worth something because she stood up that beautiful man. Correct. <laughs> I mean, me and Emma, we would give our... Well, I, I mean, I would say souls, but I'm not sure that we'll have many much left of it. I mean, we are 102. The soul is like a candle. It melts gradually. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's in a lantern, like the ones we carry. And I feel like um, I would get, like, me and Emma would give our, like, right arm for a date with Karat and some champagne. And, well, Jean's had a bit of an idea because Sharon's opened up about having a brother. And she needs to take her mind off everything that's been going on. So um, she may have or she may not have. And she doesn't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. And looking at Sharon's face, she realises it probably wasn't a good idea. She may have called Zach. And told him that Sharon's his sibling. And I'm glad that she did invite Zach round. That man. That man. That man is fine, Emma. I mean, we see this all the time. Me and Emma literally should just have a podcast where we just drew all that man on these senders. Like, I think we should just have a special, like, you know, when we used to do, like, Fallen Hunk segment instead, where, instead of discussing someone who's gone, who we can no longer drool over, I think we should just have a whole episode dedicated to the hot men. Hot men will do. Hot that men will do. <laughs> that, that could be the title. Honestly, that man is fine. And he comes driving up in a sports car, which does look like it's had a bit of work done since, you know, we last saw it getting smashed in. <laughs> um, and he seems very enthused about meeting Sharon. In fact, he calls her sis straight away. He's like, hello, sis. I was just like, oh, it's giving us like Dirty Den vibes already. Like it's giving us like, hello, hello princess. princess. Like proper Dirty Den princess, not Gavin princess, because that's just wrong. No, that Wrong was false. Sick. Every time I think of Gavin, I just think about that chase around that mansion. <laughs> that woman, Margaret's now haunting the place now. <laughs> All she does is just run around that mansion endlessly. Like, I just, that's, I don't know what he might do. I just live for that Margaret woman. As if he's going to, like, turn it into a serial murderer. Like, I don't know what he might do. Well, you're the one who hit him over the head with a flipping jug. <laughs> so, um... Zach stays over in his car, even though Sharon's told him to leave. And yeah, I love that. Has a bit of an argument with Jay for no apparent reason. Poor Jay's just checking out the car, saying it's nice. Yeah, um, yeah. Jay's, Jay's just like admiring the paintwork, and we're just admiring Jay because he still looks fine um, after his, you know, lockdown glow up. I can't say I've had a lockdown glow up. I've done some pants, <laughs> <laughs> some grey hairs, so you know. <laughs> It's not, it's, it's not looking as good for me, Jay, but uh, you're Ooh, looking fine still. I'm getting my hair Ed. cut on Friday. When this podcast actually goes out, my hair will have been done. I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. And uh, I, think, I think it's really a sign that we're seeing a bit of hot men territorialness. I feel like Zach's like, excuse me, I'm the hot man in this scene at the moment, Jay. You're going to have to move on. So they go off to the cafe, him and Sharon. They have a bit of a discussion bit of a chat, a little catch-up about dear old dad. Apparently, apparently, Gavin used to also take Zach on fishing trips. And all I, I could think yes, of, I thought of that. All I could think of was, did, did Gavin just take every kid he ever met on fishing trips? <laughs> like, it's like the Pied Piper, he comes to town, he's like, come on, kids, let's go fishing. Like, everyone just follows him down the stream. <laughs> he must have really loved fishing. 
he really did love fishing and thinking does he maybe do like the classes i don't know like yeah this is how did, you fish kids did ben go along with sack like what was happening because <laughs> like, that was another question i was like if gavin had this kid like if sack's sack looks about the same age as ben right i think he's a bit older Oh, hello. Now, Emma's doing the research, guys. Emma's doing on-air research. Hello. Let it not be said that we are, we come unprepared. Um, there's no age on here. Hmm. Well, surely he was born, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pigment he of our imagination. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing what CGI can do now. <laughs> Oh, I just want his age. This is too much to ask. <laughs> oh, my God. His Wikipedia doesn't even have a flipping age. No, I got someone someone else. And it, I was like, 1923. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> a vampire. <laughs> he just never ages. Oh, how old are you? I'm looking him up on IMDb. That always has the ages. It sure, surely does. I li- li- literally, this guy's got no age anywhere on the internet. He's, he's, he's scrubbed it up. It's <laughs> so flipping weird. Yeah, he just doesn't. Birthday. <laughs> I've literally typed in the guy's name. <laughs> 1923, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like all of his other stuff, but I can't find his age. It's weird. He's an ageless man. He's, he's perfect for his tenders then. Like, he's got to be in his 30s. I don't... There, there's no, there's nothing on the internet. I don't know. I don't know how old his character like, is versus him. There. Check Twitter. Surely someone in the entirety of the world has sent him a happy birthday and he's like, <laughs> someone must have. <laughs> someone must have. Someone must have at some point said, happy birthday. And he's liked it. I feel like, guys, you need to help Emma out here. You need to help us out. Please get back in touch with us, either on Twitter or um, Instagram. Send us a message. Drop us a comment. Tell us, how old is that man? The man who plays Zach Hudson, who is James Farrar, I think it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, Farrar, Farrar. Farrar, we're not, we're not sure. We're terrible pronouncing names. Don't come for us. Um, find out his age. This is life or death here. <laughs> Emma will throw herself down <laughs> Well, now I'm stressed because we need to try and figure out the character's age as well because of the, <laughs> the whole Gavin. It's just so bizarre, yeah, because he's like, I've been, you know, going fishing with them. I'm like, well, you're, you don't look that much older than Ben. Surely you were on the scene around the same time as Ben. I think he's been, so Sharon was first. Yes. Then Zach, we know that. Yes. So it's Char- between Sharon and between Gavin meeting Kathy. Because Kathy doesn't know Zach it either. Has to be. Kathy's never met Zach, so he's got to exactly. be. Exactly. He's got to be roughly 30s. I'd love this. We need to start up Unsolved Mysteries of Waterford again. That's going to come back. That's the only way we're going to solve this. He's in between those ages, and that's quite a big range. <laughs> <laughs> And he says that he's her half-brother. So they both share Gavin, but they've had different mams in that time as well. 
Yes, true. But also remember, um, that sort of complicates things with Kathy because if it sounds like Gavin was living at home with him and the mother, so surely that has to be, again, still in that time frame between Kathy and Sharon. We need to actually find out. So guys on Twitter, use all your, your resources. Find this out. I, I have faith that you, being like us, being people who like the truth, will go out there and find it. Help us. How did we go from like these fishing trips to Zach and James's age? <laughs> I, I just love it. It's the greatest, the greatest offshoot we've ever had. I actually think it needs an entire episode all to itself. Genuinely do. I'm glad that Sharon's got like some family again. I feel yeah. like she deserves someone to be there for her. And I mean, yes, okay. Uh, Zach sort of does pickpocket her a bit. It takes her keys. And then helps himself to going through her her house. I did love Jean when she went, Oh, and it's so nice that you and your brother have sorted everything. And he said that he's... He, I mean, I saw him letting himself into your flat. He said she'd give him the keys. But judging by your face, you didn't give him the keys. <laughs> <laughs> what I love as well is that despite Zach having like a 20-minute head start to search that entire place... Sharon somehow has managed to outmaneuver him and got that safety deposit box that he was after. <laughs> How could he not see it? It's huge. I know. Did she just carry around in our like um, bag like <laughs> every day? She's just like, I'm just going to carry this around to always remember what a scumbag my dad really was. Um, <laughs> I just, I lived for the whole thing where he was like, he's left me something in there and I've got the key. I've got the key. i got the secret. Clearly, we should just split whatever's in there. Well, Sharon, I'm sorry to tell you, all that's in there is a whole lot of disappointment. A few rubbish, you know, Happy Father's Day cards made at school and um, a whole lot of childhood trauma. I made him some fairy cakes and he stuck a cigarette in one. I was like, I'm thinking that maybe you're a little bit overly sensitive. You don't know what he was like, Sharon. He was a monster. So what did he do? I baked him some fairy cakes and he... He stuck a cigarette in one. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Fairy cakes, cigarettes and a fairy cake. Maybe Gavin liked the taste of the ashes in the cake. Exactly. He might have just been seasoning them. <laughs> you know, there's some people who chew on like cigars and stuff, don't they? <laughs> Imagine he's like, oh, that's added a bit of flavour. Mm. Yeah, it's like perfect. Oh, perfect. Just how me gran used to make them. He's just <laughs> on. He's like, Zach, I like them when they're burnt. I'll put this on just to, that might make it a bit better. Does anyone else think that the reason that Zach never went on British Bake Off is because every time he cooked for Mary Berry, all he did was keep on putting cigarette butts into the, <laughs> into the, into the icing. It's just like, I'm sorry, we can't eat this. This is unedible. <laughs> Imagine Paul Hollywood just being like, rather than a handshake, he just put the cigarette in the in the cake. Yeah, he just goes, "I'm sorry, this is the worst fairy cake I've ever seen." Just sticks a cigarette down into it. I just, I live for this whole idea that the most traumatic experience in his entire his entire life was his dad sticking a cigarette out in a fairy cake. That's just everything. Do you know what I thought as well? I was like, "What Zach needs right now is a takeaway." 
It's a tick. Whitney should have come in, right? At that moment, it'd be like, I tell you what, Zach, don't you worry, my love. I've got a lovely takeaway for you, lined up. How do you like Papa John's? KFC? KFC. He's a KFC man, guys. He's a KFC. Could you imagine, like, I get, like, challenge Annika vibes. You don't know what takeaway you're getting, but she's going to come and she's going to save the day. She's got a certain amount of time to do it in. She gets in the helicopter. Off she goes. She's she's like that with the food, like in a little case, (laughs) in a carry case. It's like staying warm. (laughs) I love that. And she comes and saves the day with takeaways. Well, Sharon and him pour through what... I could only describe as the trash we keep in our rubbish drawer. Now, we all have a rubbish drawer. It's filled with things like, you know, pens. It's filled with those elastic bands that you don't really have a place to put them. Yeah. A <laughs> few staples, um, maybe some food, um, like uh, pamphlets that come through the door, you know, some takeaways. Whitney knows all of them. Petros are flown with them. <laughs> She's no. got a whole book dedicated to them. She knows them off by heart. She's made her own special diary with yeah. them all in, and this is what I have on Monday. <laughs> Some people schedule their TV and their lives, but no, Whitney schedules takeaways. Um, and like we've got, you know, we've all got that trash straw. It's got everything. It's got like bits and pieces from here and there. I mean. That is what that little safety deposit box looked like, didn't it? Yeah. It looked like it had Zach's like high school planner in there. It had like, you know, his, <laughs> it had like a birthday card he'd given his dad once, made at home. I was hoping that he would, <laughs> would open it. And there would be like this multi, multi fairy cake. <laughs> As if to say, like, he always did really care in the end. <laughs> and then there was like a little note next to it saying, I've had a bite, but maybe you and Sharon should. Um, Sharon suddenly loves her dad, loves him now. He's like, <laughs> he did care after all. Sharon, he was crazy. Like, he went <laughs> Does crazy. she not remember what happened when he came round? Yes. And, like the mansion debacle and everything. The mansion. He flipping traumatised her. He traumatised Kathy. He was chased. He was had like, you know, Denny under his control. Remember anything Denny, anything he told Denny, Denny did. The Denny threw that woman, Margaret, out the window. We all know that that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's not speak of the dead, but that's the truth. Not since Lance's will has there ever been a more traitorous betrayal <laughs> in the will. I mean, that's what Gavin left Sharon and flipping her brother. Like, nothing. A bunch of their things that he made for, for them. And I love it because he never knew they would actually meet. So one of them had the key and one had the box and there was yes. there was like a chance that neither of them would meet and that would never <laughs> be open. Like it? <laughs> it was like he was doing his own little escape room or something. If that Oi! was me and you if that was me and you, Emma, we would have gotten that open without that key. We've done that before. We've done that before. <laughs> Remember? Just put lots of numbers in and see which one comes out. <laughs> and then we opened it and later the clues led to that and we were like, Oh Yeah. The numbers where you needed all the numbers in the end, didn't you? <laughs> Sugar. <laughs> we were just playing with it, trying to open everything. Oh, God. I just, I lived for that moment. A box full. I said, to Sharon, I leave you memories. He's literally done that. He's just left the memories. It's all things they made for him. I do love the thought of Gavin doing some sort of escape room style thing after the mansion. I just feel like oh, it's very on brand. Be- 
that would be perfect. And so, like, they have this moment where Zach's like, you think Zach's not going to come back, that he's leaving? And Sharon's like, Denny was my son. And he died last year. And it was just like, oh, this is the moment, Zach, where you sit back down to talk. And instead, Zach was just like, bye. And you're like, Jesus Christ. That's cold. I mean, I th- he's a chip off the old block. I mean, what next? Is he going to stick a cigarette out in a fairy cake? Well, just as you think, God, Zach's cold-hearted. <laughs> he comes back with scallops. He doesn't do takeaways. I mean, I'm not a scallops fan. I have to be no, honest, Zach, no. you've not won me over. I have to say I'm with Whitney and Cush. Takeaways over them any day. Get me some kebab. Get me some kebab. Get me a McDonald's. Oh, I love a McDonald's, especially on Uber Eats. <laughs> no wonder I've put weight on. It's been date night for Lola and Isaac, and we all know on the square what that means. Well, anything with romance always comes along with food. So how about some pastries? <laughs> what is with these standards? And they're like food fetish all of a sudden. It's like everyone gets the works when they stay with me. Get you some coffee and some pastries. What do you fancy? It's like, what? Do they not know love language? Like, is this how they think love language works? Apparently it's all pastries and coffees with uh, Isaac. I'll tell you what, I would love, love to try his cream horn. <laughs> to get in a pastry-related innuendo. <laughs> I mean, I do. I have to be honest. When I, when I was, like, in the, the young ages of my relationship, one of the nicest things Ross could do for me was bring me some pan au chocolat and some nice coffee. Oh, I do love one of those. And you've got to say it, haven't you, like that? You can't say it. Yeah, you've got to say it. A slight French twist. Yeah. You can't say it in England. Can't no. be like, pan au chocolat. You've got to go, pan au chocolat. Pan au chocolat. <laughs> I think it was because it always reminded me weirdly when I was in Italy I had a pan of like I don't know why because it's not Italian but like they, they'd like give her um, like uh, breakfast in bed and it came with like homemade hot chocolate and I'm not even joking oh. it was so delicious I've never tasted hot chocolate like it ever since still in my dreams Still think about it. And you can tell I'm dieting, by the way, guys, because literally all I'm doing is talking about food. I've become Whitney. I'm going to be like, I'll have a takeaway. That'll solve the problem. <laughs> it's like, it's going to put a lockdown where we're all leaving and we're like, oh, God, we're going to have to go back in the real world. Ah, yeah, going to have to look good. I've gotten used to not doing my hair, Emma. I've gotten used to not having to shave. Me and Emma are very comfortable with each other. We've known each other for a very long time. So... I know she will not judge me if I come onto this this recording sesh and I look at state. Same for the rest of the world, they will. We don't know what they're like. I might maybe I'll need lots of takeaways to deal with it. <laughs> I mean, we say that like Isaac's idea of like you know making a situation romantic is pastries and coffee, but clearly it's not Lola's because she runs to the high hills as soon as she has, doesn't she? She's absolutely terrified of pastries. <laughs> Terrified. You know how he was scared of those £20 notes? Yeah. They, yeah. Oh, they made him run. He's terrified of a Scottish £20 note. Don't even say it to him. Because no. he's terrified of that. He doesn't even believe they're real. Well, I fear for Lola when someone puts a pastry down. Like, they don't realise that she's so 
scared of those pastries. She has yeah. to run a mile. That's it. She's and, done. And, I mean, I don't like to air people's like you know problems out and tell their secrets, but I mean, it's just me and you and the rest of the listeners. So I feel like I can be honest here. Lola taught me the reason why she's so afraid of pastries is because as a child, the most traumatic thing that ever happened to her was she made a beautiful, beautiful pan of chocolat and she brought it to her dad. And do you know what he did? He just took his cigarette and he just put it out right in the middle of it, went straight through it, ruined everything. It's the most traumatic experience she's ever experienced in her life. Oh, no. Well, actually, it turns out she ran to the high hills because... Cherie, once again, being overly protective like Tiger Mum, because according to Cherie, it was his breakup that caused his breakdown. Shame it wasn't that, though, was it, Cherie? Because even Isaac says, no, that was just one of the many problems that was happening at the time. And uh, it's also not the reason why I have schizophrenia. Like, it's just a part of one of the things that triggered me. It's really nice to hear Isaac talking about how there's a difference between things triggering it to causing it. Because a lot of the time, I think those things get conflated and mixed up. So if Lola doesn't have the staying power, she worries she doesn't have the staying power. She shouldn't be hanging around, Cherie thinks. Isaac, on the other hand, thinks she should. She should stick around. So if you have if you have something really private you want to talk oh. about, would you go and speak to someone that you cheated on your previous boyfriend with? Well, I mean, that makes total sense to me. I'm allowed to do it. <laughs> yes, guys, that's literally what she does. Also, why is Peter like a flipping vulture around decrepifying relationships? Any relationship that's in any sort of trouble. He's there. Yes, like, are you breaking up? Are you breaking up, guys? Are you breaking up? Breaking up? What's that? Are you breaking up? Oh, what a shame. Do you want to sleep with us? That is literally it's what he's like. Boston. He's actually become a misogynistic pig. I don't remember him being anything like this. I never thought he would be... I don't remember Peter being this this stupid. I wouldn't take any advice off him. No, and you're right. Peter was certainly not stupid. Peter was actually very much like Bobby. Yeah. He was kind of business-orientated. He, he did help out in all the businesses that he ever had. He's, he's definitely not stupid. Peter has the goal to be like, well, you cheat on your last boyfriend. Uh, yeah, after you got her so drunk that she was vulnerable, she was also in a vulnerable place to begin with. I am sorry. This Peter, who's not Peter as far as I'm concerned, um, has no right to slate anyone. So what? She was a, a, a young woman who made a mistake. You're a young man who's made many mistakes. You should be held accountable for them instead of casting judgment. It's very misogynistic, his oh, view no. of the world. Very misogynistic. It's the way he just judges her, and it's like he's never done any wrong in his life. Honestly, I was like, sorry, we've had the Twilight Zone here, Robert, because that is not... We're in a different world to what Pierre's... Well, clearly, because he's in a flat earth, so, you know, <laughs> he's in a complete <laughs> world to us. <laughs> Peter's elsewhere. <laughs> Pierre still believes in dragons. Like, he still thinks, you know, he still thinks if you throw a penny in a wishing well, it'll come true, like... You know. <laughs> and then, you know, when Lola, who, I mean, I don't think it was right about to go and share Isaac's private no, business. that was wrong as well, Lola. With Peter. That, that's, you know, it, it took Isaac a long time to tell her. And it's his information. He doesn't need to share that. Yeah. He doesn't want to. And she goes and tells Peter. And even just makes a joke of it. And it's just not even funny. Uh, honestly, you're so right. That bit did annoy me. Because I was like, 
it's not something that you should like just willfully tell anyone let alone tell someone who you used to date and kind of had an affair with at one point it's just wrong and who runs his mouth 24 7 yes he always does how could you trust peter man come on look he almost ruined flipping ash's job because he told the truth remember he doesn't like liars i mean it's true so how can he keep a secret then (laughs) anyway talking to peter kind of doesn't help lola's worries and she kind of dodges isaac quite a bit doesn't she she kind of like messes him around a bit doesn't answer his messages but then eventually does go to meet up with him and um he doesn't judge lola for being freaked out which is like Hmm. it's a really decent and really really responsible and mature way of handling a mental health problem. This is someone who's clearly dealt with his his, his own problems for, for a long time and has a good understanding of them. It's really nice to see that representation. I really like their relationship. I really think they're bringing out the best mm. in each other. Obviously, they've had that little blip there where she went and told Peter some very private information. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, they bring out the best in each other and you're getting to see a really fun side again to Lola. And I feel yes. like it, when she was... In the last few months and, well, since she's come back, she hasn't really yeah. had that. And now she's back to, like, being quite sassy. I think you're right. Like, we're seeing more of, more life from her. I feel like, kind of, when she came back, she didn't have much, like, going on. Like, it was kind of the Ben show or, like, the Jay and her show. It was never, like, the Lola show. And actually, no. we're seeing, like, great aspects of her and deeper, like, insight into her and her reactions to things. In, in this relationship, even though it's like a two-person relationship. Yeah, you see in both just, sides, yeah. Yeah. And I like it because I like that we didn't really know Isaac either. Now I feel like I know him quite well. I really think they're like fleshing these two out and I, I like it. I do too. It's one of those relationships where actually me and Emma are on board where one of the, where one of the people rooting for them. Um, I can't say the same for Kushni because I think that kind of went all too quick. But this has actually worked out well. Like, it hasn't come out of nowhere. There has always been kind of like that sexual chemistry between them, the kind of relationship chemistry between them. Um, they're roughly the same age. They're very similar in interests. He's, they've got great rapport. Love their humour together. So good. Kind of gives us, um, like, like fat vibes, you know, like Cat and Phil's, like, yeah. back and forth banter. Like, Isaac and Lola have a bit of that, where, like, it's, like, kind of quip here, quip there, quip here, quip there. I mean, even at this date... Like, Lola's like, well, I should order the proper proper um, drink for this serious relationship conversation. Uh, two porn star martinis. Like, living for that. And then, well, like, Isaac was like, you know, I don't want to, like, seem too forward, but I am actually falling for you. I really do like you. But that shouldn't be a reason for you to feel pressure and feel like, oh, no, what if, what if it doesn't work out? Let's just enjoy it. And it's like, yes. All these great messages coming out of this relationship. I love it. Love it, Emma. Well, Phil has some plans, doesn't he? Oh, he's planning a holiday. <gasps> a cat over here. Oh, she's getting her sun cream. She's all excited. I loved how excited she got. She's like sitting around going, <laughs> it's me. She's just looking around the shop and she's going, it's me, take me on holiday. <laughs> Except... It's not for her. No. Turns out Phil's actually a massive Balam stan. <laughs> and he's just gotten them the honeymoon from heaven. Like, he's like, 
went all out. He's not scrimping on it. I love that, by the way. That is the sweetest Phil moment ever. Cat's not a fan, though. <laughs> She's very angry. She's disappointed. She wanted that holiday in Costatel dreams. Like, She's been she in the shops. It. She's got all of her holiday stuff ready. Yeah, she's got a, she's got a, you know, bikinis out. She's got a flipping, and she's got all of her medicines because you always have to take a pack of medicines with you, don't you? <laughs> always have to. Gonna have your first aid bag. I loved, lived for that. And uh, Phil, I love it because he was like, "Well, why would we be going on holiday? Well, I mean, it's not like we're anything." And 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 then Cat always lifts up and she goes, "Well, I'm your," and then yeah. pauses. And he's like smiling. It's like, ah, you always got you to see it first. You always got you to see it first. I love that that neither of them are like willing to say it to yeah. each other. They're both so stubborn. Yeah, and I love it because then he's like, we're rubbish at this, aren't we? Like, the two of them are like, yeah, we're, we're really bad at this. But then Phil's like, well, let's do it properly then. How about me and you, dinner, like tomorrow night, seven o'clock? And she's like, are you asking me out on a date? And he is. And he sends up flowers. <gasps> oh, that was so sweet. I live for that. Like, I'm not a flower person because I've got hate fever, but it's a lovely <laughs> gesture. Whitney sees these flowers as so she's getting the takeaway in. And she's <laughs> standard. <laughs> standard. <laughs> um, and she's walking over, right? She smiles, seeing the flowers, then comes over and then starts rowing with cat. <laughs> I was like, sorry, have you just suddenly like did, did you drop your takeaway? Is that what's happened? <laughs> she was like, you know, I think it's lovely how you can just enjoy yourself when Kush, Kush is going to jail. Well, yeah, for a crime that he committed. Yes, Kat was the one who orchestrated the crime or came up with the idea, but he's the one who didn't listen to her and got over um, enthused, also forced his way into the, the whole heist. Kat got them in the mess because he got them in the big mess of the house. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, it all comes down to that. Like... And also, I like Whitney, but she's kind of given us Ruby vibes here where she's only been with Kush for two weeks and now they're madly in love with each other. She knows his every darkest secret. She knows him inside now. So Kat won't now go public with Phil until she until he helps out with the Kush scenario because she doesn't want to see Kush go down for this. Now, I wish I had this energy against Ruby for Stacey. I understand that Phil and Kat were involved in this one and that's where our energy's coming from. But, like, Stacey was a family and I would have loved to see this kind of energy behind that as well because I'm sure they could have yeah. figured something out and she could have definitely I've... ripped Ruby's hair out or something. That's totally Kat. Kat yeah. would do that. <laughs> I definitely think, like, they should have had that. I wonder if it's because they knew that Kat was going to be involved in trying to get Kush off um, and like help Kush that they thought maybe we shouldn't involve her in another storyline. Yeah. You know, like and have it so like this, it's always the same players kind of thing. But I'm also line. thinking that it could be the COVID groups because I think could, they're all It could also it. be that, yeah. It could Both, also be social yeah. distancing related. We never quite know. And all I can say is that like it would have been nice to have had her defending Stacey, but kind of like made Emma understand why. Yeah. If it was like something behind the scenes, like if it was more to do with like either the story continuity or regulations or, i mean there's or, like the them, regulations you know, yeah i want to see them breaking it just for the sake of one yeah. little <laughs> <For> scene <us>. like, <laughs> like i know they referenced cat anyway in those scenes yeah. like they did, they did say she went to court but um 
So I understand. It would have been nice. It would yeah, it would have been nice, and I understand why it didn't happen. I know there's they're in bubbles and all that doing yeah. their stuff or like it's groups very, yeah it's, it's very difficult isn't it at the minute and for certain other storylines people are being bubbled together so they can have more intimate moments and things like it is it is difficult at the minute with covid so we do understand but we still would have liked to see <laughs> ruby's like you know ex- extensions come on like everyone wants that <laughs> do a threatening phone call to her i don't know <laughs> shouting her across the street yeah like, screaming her i don't mind i don't mind stand outside a, a, like a house shouting like, <laughs> Never on picky. Well, Phil's upset, but it shows how much he actually does care about this relationship with Kat because in his own way, he tries to help the situation by giving Kush advice. He goes up because he's like, listen, when you go into jail, first biggest man you see, whack him until he's unconscious. <laughs> then you're dog. Sorry, Phil. That's probably the worst advice you could give a man scared about going to jail. I was like, I can't believe he's just said this. Also, you just keep your head down in jail. Like, it's the worst advice ever, isn't it? Like, you know, go and get yourself the top dog position. The position that's always under threat of someone else whacking. So, like, like, what he's pretty much saying is, put yourself in danger there. Because if he attacks this man who is top dog, this man might just attack him back. Or kill him, yeah. Like, come on, we know what prison life's like. (laughs) Can you imagine? I love the way Phil's mind works, like, just smack someone, that'll help. Just add to your sentence, Kush. Just just keep going there. <laughs> just add another year on. What's another year when you're in jail for five? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why doesn't Phil just offer to make sure that he's looked after inside? That's what I didn't get. That's what I thought he was like, going to do. There's no connections in there. <laughs> when he said, like, oh, um, I understand all this, I was like, all oh, right, you must be setting them up with connections because, I mean, Phil knows most bad people. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> No, he didn't. He just said, go and punch one of them. Yeah, like, it's not, like, the ideal thing to be, like, I'll set you up with some criminal people who keep you protected. But, like, it is better than nothing, Phil. I also don't it's... get why Kush is doing it. I understand no. he's, he was caught on the first one. There's there's, yes. there's quite a lot of evidence he was there. So he's going to have to go down for the, like, whole robbery. Why is he... Why is Kush taking on all these extra charges for some money that you can't guarantee <laughs> these guys are going to give you? What if Phil dies? Yeah, exactly. Like, do you think Ben's going to give you that cash if Phil's dead by then? How could happen? They live a very dangerous life. You know, he's, he's losing a lot of his own time and yeah. for a bit of money that he hopes he might get. When he's already, when he, he could have the chance to like live his life. I don't understand. I know, I'm sorry. I, I can't understand why he... It's still taking on the Phil crimes. But they definitely still want him to because Phil's never said, don't worry about those other crimes, it's all right. You can just knock them off. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you go down and uh, just whack the next guy you see as soon as you walk through them doors. Much <laughs> if he gets the wrong guy who he thinks is top dog. And then uh, you know, <laughs> and it's actually some really small, evil, like, mastermind. <laughs> it's like, it's in the corner, like, kill him. He's a threat. <laughs> Then they might regret giving him that advice, Phil. <laughs> and then Phil is quick to phone Kat, um, living for that little, like, socially distant phone call combo. It was so, again, like, high school level, wasn't it? And he was like, I sort out that problem. Don't you worry. We're still on for seven tonight. And he's like, love what you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he thinks he sorted the problem. It's like Mark, where he's like, don't worry, I know how to fix this. Pete Sarin movies. Well, speaking of Martin, Kush is telling him all the 
great advice Phyllis gave him. <laughs> and Martin's quick to say, you shouldn't listen to him, he's old. Well, sorry, Martin, when was the last time you did a stint in jail? I know you did that one time flipping shot as a wannabe gangster and then got Sonia to pay, pay off <laughs> your victim. <laughs> but I don't think you should be giving anyone advice. Kush then leaves after a day of um, just terrible advice and terrible decisions on his part as well because he's taken on loads of crimes that he didn't commit. And <laughs> Did you steal the crown jewels? I did. I did, Your Honour. <laughs> but I love that, like, Kat comes over to speak to Martin and Martin, like, again, has another, like, go at her and... Um, she feels really bad now because she's like, wait, I thought Phil was going to come over here and say, don't worry about the charges, like, it's fine. Instead, Phil has told him just to smack a guy who's big so that he'll not have any problems. Naturally, Kat feels guilty and that guilt stops her from going on her lovely date with uh, the new romantic Phil Mitchell, who isn't happy, by the way. He wants to take care of her, yes, but he's sick of these games. Is this what these Slater women do? Messy around? I'm like, Phil, firstly, Kat doesn't need anyone to take care of her. Although it is sweet that you've offered that. She's an independent woman. She doesn't need anyone to take care of her. But secondly, you've not actually solved the problem that she asked you to solve. <laughs> so, so, you know, she has a good right to stand you up. You told her that you'd sold it. You hadn't. So unfortunately... Cat slams the door on that relationship. It doesn't look like it's going any further. For now. Yeah, this isn't the end. Yeah, we all know it's just going to be at the ballot wedding. This week's slapping Dan goes to Ruby for trying to kick out Lily. Yeah, I mean, her screaming at Lily, you spiteful little cow, that is awful and so she deserves a good old-fashioned slapping down our hero or should i say heroes this week are gene and sharon we had to give them the hero place because they both equally saved each other like sharon saved gene from going to jail and like ruining what time she has left and gene saved sharon from loneliness Sharon has felt very isolated and very alone. And actually, through Jean's actions, Sharon's gained a brother that she never knew she had nor wanted, but now does. And also, she gained a friend as well, because she didn't think she had many on the square, but Jean's there for her. Oh, oh I just love them. As Jean and Sharon were our heroes of the week, we will be rating out with Jean's and Sharon's. So I'm going to be rating out Jean's and Connor's going to be rating out with Sharon's. And I'm going to give this week four Jean's. Well, that's funny, Emma, because I'm going to give this week four Sharon's. Oh! Because for all the right reasons, this week was amazing. This week was fantastic. I had everything from a bit of me fat. I love a bit of fat. You know what? That's why I put on weight. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm living for their funny scenes. They brighten up my day every time they're on. They have great comic, like, relief and great timing and their quips are fantastic. But also, I loved how beautiful, like, the Sharon and Jean moments were. 
And of course, we live to rant about Ruby. So every time she's on screen doing something massively horrible or heinous, I live for that. Because I'm like, me and Aaron are going to come for you this week. Yeah, I loved all the like Lily stuff. Lily versus Ruby, brilliant. That was everything. Lily's basically our mascot. That is so funny. The Jean, the Jean and Sharon stuff. I love their friendship. It's a bit of both. It's so lovely and so funny. And then they've all they're also tackling like the saddest stuff as well. Yeah. It was nice to see Zach, and I'm liking Lola and Isaac. And you know, I like a bit of fat. Oh, we do like a bit of fat. Duh. This week's episode is sponsored by Witways. Is your relationship in turmoil? Is your stepchild to be being shouted at by a horrible witch? Well, do we have the remedy for all situations and all problems? It's Witways. Come get any takeaway you desire and it'll fix your life. Disclaimer, if your problems aren't fixed by a Witway... There is nothing we can do about it. We are just sorry. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.